Big She looks familiar. She's the girl on your computer. Yeah, he's got you on his computer. I'm his probation officer. Don't forget that name. <laughs> okay. Character. It's my my uncle. He um he's a pathological liar, and he thought you were someone else. Oh man, you don't have me on your computer. I, yeah, I mean, like I had I took a photo of the debate team, and you're in the debate team, so. Right. So he must have seen. Um, I I was touching up stuff. You're touching up stuff. Come on. I was I was. Uh, I'm not gonna answer that. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we continue to fly through the impressive wake that was Spider-Man No Way Home by looking at one of its precursors. This is the second part two of the three... Yeah. The sec- no, this is second part one. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> it's, it's part one of the part two series movies. All right, well, maybe the... Spider-Man movies. It's it's Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. It's Amazing well. Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I, if you listened to last week's show, we talked about Spider-Man three, uh, it, which is you know uh, that was a the movie. end. The it is a movie. It was the end of Sam Raimi's uh, run. I think we even talked about on that show. They they thought about doing a fourth movie with Raimi. There was at least talks, and then that turned into this. Yes, and uh, we got Mark Webb's Spider-Man three. Mark or Spider-Man Webb. 1. You know, so there's that infamous story, uh, probably apocryphal, uh, that um, the way that James Cameron sold the sequel to Alien is that he wrote Alien and then he wrote an S as a dollar sign for Aliens. And that was what he sold. I want to believe that Mark Webb, his pitch was just, he wrote, my name is Mark Webb. And they're like, dude, in you sold. Who could be better? Jim Spitterman. <laughs> I heard Jim Spitterman was pissed. He was he, he was, was actually so gonna do mad. The, the thing is, he had planned to do the exact same thing. But then he like he did it. And they were like, you're just knocking <laughs> off the guy we just hired. It's like, yeah, you for sure changed your name to Jim Spitterman. Yeah. That poor bastard. Poor Jim Spitterman. And now he works drive through at a McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And he could have been a director that hasn't done anything of note since. Sad part is his pitch for this was great. Yes. Yeah, it would have blown good. everyone's mind. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, now let's. I'll tell you what. Um, this movie is completely unnecessary and didn't need to happen. That's my that's my hot take off the gate. Yeah, I think you're right. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It just I mean, I think the biggest thing it suffers from is that Sam Raimi had already made three movies and they told Spider-Man's origin story. They were full of personality and color. and, And even the third one is still fun to a degree like they are unmistakably Sam Raimi films that 
take but you on also a journey. still Marvel comic films too, and feel very much like Marvel comics. They take you on a journey. And as I said in last week's show, I mean, for me, that joy of just watching Spider-Man, you know, shoot webs and and swing his way through New York. You'd never seen that before. You loved it. But here's the thing. So you saw all that. It was great. And then this movie comes along and is. I wouldn't even say it's bad. It's just not it's just there. It's just there. It's you already got a great Spider-Man and this one's fine. Yeah, it it didn't do anything demonstrably worse, but didn't do a single thing better. Right. Yeah. And in fact, like some of the stuff that was just slam dunk fun, like like the web swinging. It's not they they didn't do it in this one. <laughs> like everything's at night. He's harder to see. You know, like it just took away a lot of that joy. You know, yeah. the, the New York feels less lived in. There aren't like colorful New Yorker characters. I don't like the costume that he's wearing. I'm okay with the costume. That didn't bother me as much as others. It's very shiny. It is a little shiny, but yeah. um, I did like the kind of you saw the like the mechanics of the web shooters. Like I kind of liked that. That you know what? Let let's settle this because this is this is a a hot hot contention um among spider-man fans because so the original comics spider-man created the web shooters because he's a genius and i believe it's in the ultimate comics at some point in the comics they did switch to organic web shooters it was actually after the organic shooters in the sam raimi movies right they did this really long convoluted story arc where he like he turns into man spider again and then like turns into an egg and then when he hatches out of the egg it's peter parker but he has organic web shooters now yeah they should have made that movie nope <laughs> uh no i no. if they honestly if they're gonna do any ridiculous spider-man plot lines i want them to do that one where there was a peter parker clone the, oh the clone saga the clone saga is fun i with know jackal and ben riley and stuff i like it's, ben Re i like uh yeah. the scarlet spider as a character yeah so that's what i want weird comic book wise but yeah, so so how do you weigh in though? Do you care? Like Um Ultimately no. But I am team uh mechanical web shooters, if I had to pick a side. I do it always reminds me uh because there was a writer that I really loved uh for you know self-congratulatory wise, uh who wrote for Hobo Trash Can years ago, this guy named Aaron Davis, but it always stuck with me. I remember that he wrote an entire column about how if Peter Parker could invent those web shooters, why does he have money problems? <laughs> like, if he's that brilliant, he's, a mechanical he's yeah, terrible in the boardroom pitching his ideas. Yeah, like that he's, he's so epically bad that his world-changing technology doesn't get off the ground. Right. Yeah, which just always did stick with me. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't feel strong either way. But I know people do like feel very strongly, and I know people were happy to see the mechanical web shooters one thing i will say um the very first teaser for this movie where it was like the first pre first person web swinging that i thought was awesome and i was that got me super hyped for the movie that he's like web slinging first person and then he lands on the mirrored building and that's when you see the costume and i'm like that is a quality teaser yeah and that was the best thing this movie did it should have been a short film <laughs> it was a great 12 second film yeah um but yeah, uh, that I mean, we could begin and end the maligning of this movie by simply saying that it's just not the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. 
Right. And I also think at times it goes out of its way to not like. So I think there's there's two things I want to say about it, because we already kind of covered the one, which is just like that those movies already existed. But like, I feel like there's a lot of choices made in this series that are literally made just to be the opposite of what Sam Raimi did. We're going to tell the same exact story, but different. Right. And so you see that in like. Okay, now we're really concerned with Peter Parker's parents and who they were. And that's the backstory. Like Uncle Ben still dies, but right. but now we're going to bring in his parents so that it's different. Also, it's Gwen Stacy from the start instead of Mary, Mary Jane. Jane. Like so cuz it's different. And it's I also think, not Green Goblin, but Oscorp exists. Right. Yeah, and it's the guy that they teased for three movies turning into the lizard. We're finally going to do it. You know, the guy that existed as just right. a professor in all a, of the one, Raimi films. A, a one-armed professor in the other movies. Now we're going to turn him into the lizard. But yeah. I, I think he's played by the kicker from The Replacements. Yep. Yeah. But here, I wrote this down because I think this is the most egregious example of exactly the just arbitrarily changing things to not do the thing that Sam Raimi already did. There's a conversation where, where Ben is having his heart-to-heart with Peter. And this is what he said. You're... Um, your father lived by a philosophy, a principle, really. He believed that if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. What's another way to say that, Andy? What's like a cleaner, more concise, iconic way to say those exact <laughs> words? Um, if you got the goods, do good. That's not bad. But I was thinking with great power comes great responsibility doesn't ring a bell yeah i know but that's good that's Thanks. a quality line thank you yeah you, you can take have that, that. You should, I, I think you should keep it i mean i want to take credit from where it's due <laughs> but yeah it's just like that just you you went <laughs> you've kind of said the same thing it's all it's almost like they took the line with great power comes great responsibility did used the syn- Goog- a synonym. Well, used like Google Translate to translate it into a different language and then translated it back into English. And translated that's- into like Aramaic and then back into English. And that's what they got. You could do Lo good and things. He who has the power. Yeah. Yeah. I just I thought that was so silly. But it, it, but it again, it just feels like they don't want to say the line, which I understand. But you're still going to show us Ben Parker dying. Apparently that was non-negotiable. Like we right. could have just as evidenced by this current uh, Spider-Man trilogy, Ben could just be gone. Like, he, you don't have to... Sh- Here's... Look, this is across the board. I'm just going to give some free advice because apparently for our entire lives, we're going to continue to get more Spider-Man and Batman movies. We know. We know that their parent and or guardian was killed in front of them. Uh, we don't need to see it. Every- if I could see... A Batman movie without the pearls hitting the sidewalk. Yeah. I'm in. I'm already in. It's already in my top four favorite Batman movies. I still, man, the, <laughs> I remember watching the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie and just being like, you gotta be kidding me. I, I, I burst out laughing in the theater. Yeah. No, it, and I, got a lot of dirty looks. Yeah. No, I, and I know that movie is very serious to people and they care about it a lot, but I found that hilarious. But, the, I hate that movie so much. I, I wish like we could it do it for the podcast. Yeah. But it's it, if we ever do like a reverse month where we talk about why beloved movies suck. 
I would I, talk about that movie four times. Yeah, no, I'm in to to talk about that for sure. Uh, but um, yeah, oh, that movie. I hate that movie. Anyways, all right. So, just this is not what I was like. This is just I wrote down another like. There's some very clunky dialogue in this, and this is not. This isn't like that. I feel like, they, but this line in particular, I wrote it down because it's so weird to me. When so Dennis Leary plays um, the the father of Gwen, yeah, he's Captain Stacy, and at at the end of the film, Gwen is trying to get him to help uh, protect Spider Man, and but she's trying to make it clear like she knows that that Peter Parker is Spider Man, and so somehow Captain Stacy has to make it clear that he also knows that Peter is Spider Man. And so the line that he says is, your boyfriend is a man of many masks. I get it. What? Because that's how people talk <laughs> in the real world. Like, I'd have way more questions about that. Like, you almost want some cop to pop in and be like, what are you saying? He's Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, you mean, no, no shit. Oh, shit. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, come here. Come here. No, Captain Stacy. He no, just no, no. Captain man Stacy. of many masks. Lou, Lou, get in here. Lou. <laughs> Listen, listen to what Captain Stacy just said. Listen. It sounds like he's Spider-Man, right? Does, Yo, that, that Peter Parker kid. I, I don't know who he is, but like, I guess he goes to school with, with his... With, I guess he's dating, uh, you know, Captain Stacy's daughter. Is he like shooting the webs on her, Captain? Is that what's going oh, on? Oh, oh, what are you going to go Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm turning into a lizard here. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was weird. Um, Speaking of the lizard, mm -hmm. uh... There's this one scene, it's after uh, Kurt Connors, as played by Reese Fans, has turned into the lizard for the first time, and he has absolutely no reason to even consider the idea that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh, yes, I wrote this down, too. Yeah, go for uh, it. <laughs> I, I read it, because, like, like, this conversation makes no sense unless you're in the audience. Like... Why would people be talking like that to each other and have no, like, the fuck type of things, reactions? Do you have it written down or no? I, no, 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 no. Sorry. I just, I made a note of it, but I didn't actually write but the no, exact like, dialogue. He's like, yeah. It's like, because, like, Peter asked him if there's uh, any native lizard species to New York, and it's like, Reese fans in, like, the most suspicious way in the history of suspicious ways of saying things. Like, well, I've heard this new, some new developments of a large reptile in, in the sewers of New York. I said, well, could you hurt a reptile? It's like, oh, only if you could catch it. <laughs> yeah, it, and again, it, it feels like if they both knew that it would be impactful, but yeah, neither one, like, they don't know the other one is the other. <laughs> like, yeah, like, they were trying to make it Pacino and De Niro at the diner in Heat, but it Neither one knew the other was hunting the other or trying to get away from the other at all. So it made no sense. Or even Norman Osborn having Thanksgiving dinner with Peter right. in the first yeah. movie where all of the groundwork has been laid to make you you understand because they've already fought like directly hand to hand fought a couple of times. Not it, just Spider-Man come in and like save the day a little bit and send the lizard scurrying for a hot second. Well, also, I I feel like we have to talk about how. The lizard discovers Peter Parker's identity 
because this. I like to call it the sending a sending our love down the well method of finding out. <laughs> yeah, like so. Peter is taking photos for not J. Jonah Jameson because this, uh, this film wisely avoids recasting that role. But he's taking photos for the the Daily Bugle, and so he sets up his camera in the sewer, and then leaves it there, and then the lizard finds it, and it literally has property of Peter Parker stamped on the back label, of the camera. Label maker stamped on the back, yeah. Yeah, he used a label maker to say, like, property of Peter Parker on the camera that he left set up for anyone to find in the sewer, and the lizard finds it, and that's how he figures it out. Yep. And it's dumb. And mm. one of the many, like... Uh, I, I want to talk about Andrew Garfield for a second. Okay. Because I, I like him. I think he is well, a good I, actor. Well, we should, full disclosure, uh, we should tell everyone, we've had lunch with Andrew Garfield. So We have had lunch with Andrew Garfield. So, yes. friend of the show, Andrew Garfield. And by that, just to be clear... Uh, Andy and I were eating lunch at this place in Los Angeles at this long table that's a shared space, and Andrew Garfield sat down at the other end of it and didn't look at us or talk to us or anything. Yeah, lunch. So lunch, you know. But yeah, so we did the show, lunch. We had a lunch. We did lunch. We did a lunch. We were trying to see gauge his interest on our, uh, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, our <laughs> Jason goes to court film. We thought he'd be good for like a reporter that keeps running out to be like, Oh boss, you're not going to believe this. You know, like, because, Stop the presses. because in our version two, of Jason goes to court. It was the old days where they, the reporters had to run to the phone. They had and, to run to the, the crank phone. Yeah. To transcribe, to make and the speak, late edition and speak in a transatlantic accent. Yes. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, Andrew Garfield, he seems like a nice boy. He does. Yeah. Um, there's no universe where a kid who looks like that is all moody, skateboards, does photography, is not just drowning in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it's funny because the whole thing with like him, it, the movie does no work to like, when you watch the Raimi films, they make it clear that Peter Parker's a loser. I mean, the first thing that we see is he's he's literally introduced that he's missed the bus and the bus driver finds it it's hilarious like, not to this stop. idiot <laughs> yeah and the only person who cares is actually mary jane uh which is a great introduction but yeah in this movie it's like he's cool skateboarding kid and like there's gwen stacy pretty much immediately is attracted to him from the first second that she knows she hasn't noticed him before while he we should mention has been stalking her I just yeah. want to be clear about that, <laughs> to use very clear language. And you can hear in the clip in the beginning, he is taking secret photos of her and using them as his wallpaper. He's a creep. <laughs> yeah. But besides that, he is something, a very... something inappropriate wallpaper glue joke, something, something. Yes. But he's uh, he's a handsome, charismatic, skateboarding. Wisecracking. Uh, yeah. And he even like. He doesn't seem to care much about he his entire persona is not right for the character. <laughs> like the Peter Parker he plays is so nonchalant. Yeah. And 
Peter Parker is one of the most chalant characters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's basically the 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 format for Peter Parker should basically be Charlie Brown trying to kick a football. Like at all times, mm-hmm. <laughs> he should for some reason think it's going to work out this time and at the last second have it all pulled away from him. He's he's a loser. Like he's he's a sad nerd who yeah. which is the whole point because then he gets these powers and it changes who he is and then he has to figure out how to navigate the world. Well, and that's like the other thing is that like they also establish that even though he is this loser, he does have this really quick wit and he is like really, you know, he has all those things there, but he's just such a doofus that he can't show them to the world. And then he gets to put on this mask and he has the confidence to, you know, be all quippy. And I thought like when he was in the Spider-Man suit being quippy, that was very good. Yeah, they definitely dialed that up, which I saw. It was funny. Uh, there, one of the IMDb trivia things said that he did like because it does exist in the Raimi films, but it's way dialed back. It's much more. But I loved it. Whoever wrote the the IMDb trivia described it as him talking a lot of junk. And I really appreciated that. But he talked uh, all sorts of junk. He did talk a lot of junk. But yeah, he he's way quippier in like, this. Movie. The scene when he's trying to track down um, his Joe Chill. Uh, and he's like, oh no, tiny knives, my one weakness. Like that's good quipping. Yeah. I have a question about that scene and I don't want to be that pedantic, but I was thinking about that scene because the way it happens is the guy, we were following the guy, the camera's following car thief and he walks up to a car and he puts a code in. He like, he does something to hack the, like the electric key. And then he sits in and classic movie move. Spider-Man is already sitting in the back seat. Yeah, of the car. But what how long was he there? And what happens if the guy doesn't steal that like I have so many questions. How did he know that car? What happens if the owner of the car gets there first? Like well, all right, so I, I have an answer for this. I, I, okay. I understand the full thing. All right. Okay. So uh the guy that was stealing cars had to steal a specific list of sixty oh. cars oh. in one night. And oh. that was, and somehow he saw the list. This is this is all deleted scenes. If you get okay. that blu- the special edition Blu-ray, okay. Um, and so uh, he sees the list, and so he knows that that's one of the cars. And that specific car, obviously, that's the only one in New York. So he knew that he well, because it actually the like has the license plate and everything. Oh, like, it's that okay. Specific. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that makes total sense then. Or wait, you know what? No. Um, that's completely wrong. I started watching Gone in 60 Seconds. Um, you know, I thought that sounded familiar. I was like... About, about I, two-thirds of the way through. Yeah, I was like, that feels like a movie that we talked about on this show, but I wasn't sure. So, you know, they start to blend together. At some so, point. Uh, all right, then. Uh, there's, no, there's no logical reason. He got in there by editing. Yeah. Uh, and he was there because the script said he should be. Well, and it's funny because then the guy gets out of the car and he gets out of the car and then he does the knives thing. So it's like... All of this could have happened outside of the car. It's just someone got it in their head. They were like, look, I'm going to give you the millions of dollars you need to bankroll this Spider-Man movie. But I want that cool thing where the guy gets in the car and he doesn't look in the rearview mirror and he doesn't realize that someone's behind him. And then the person behind him says a a cool line. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. A hundred percent. But yeah, it's. uh... I think also going back to one of your earlier points about how it goes out of its way to like not be the Sam Raimi movie. 
it also like just really winks at the things that the Sam Raimi movie did really well. Like at one point when he's first Spider-Manning and he like crashes through the roof of a warehouse and it turns out to be a wrestling arena. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Because like Spider-Man in the comics, like he does make money as a pro wrestler. Uh, and then that's like pretty much how it happens in the Sam Raimi movie is is pretty comic accurate in a lot of ways. It was Macho um, Man Randy Savage. In the it was. Film. And uh, Bonesaw was ready. <laughs> You're going good. nowhere. <laughs> God, I love Macho Man. He's great. He's the best. He's, he is one of my all time favorites. Actor, wrestler, whatever. Slim Jim Hawker, all of it. I also want to assume that like um, J.K. Simmons, that they just were like, well, we can't do that scene because who could top the Macho Man performance? Right. Yeah, 100 percent. But yeah, it's. This movie is fine. Can I can I nitpick one more thing? Yeah, pick that nit. Okay, so at the the end of the movie, uh, there's. When so the lizard, you know, they make an an, an antidote and he, he's turning back into Dr. Connors and Peter's like hanging off the side of a building and he pulls him up. Here's my thing about that. Famously, <laughs> Spider-Man's whole thing is that he can climb up buildings. So like they're yeah. trying to get this tension out of like, I have to pull you up so you don't fall. And then the entire time I'm like. If he literally just stuck his arm out, he'd stick to the, the side of the building. Yeah, uh, one of Spider-Man's many nicknames is the wall crawler. Yeah, I just, like, that. W I, I was watching it in, like, disbelief of, like, we're really doing it. And even, it's funny, in the Raimi movies, like, there is a point where he loses his powers. Not in this movie. He has the powers the whole time. No, because even if they had, like, sold that he got knocked unconscious or something... And but then, no, he's just no, hanging. he's just he's he it's it's the ledge ledge hang that every action movie has done at some point. Yeah, but except with a this time, the person can literally stick to walls. I think the only worse version of that you could do would be Superman. <laughs> if someone was pulling Superman up. I'm not going to let you fall. <laughs> I'm not going to let you fall. Honestly, you know what? That would be a hilarious thing if it was someone doing that with Clark Kent. And so, like, he has that to would... sell it. <laughs> there are so many Superman issues. I'd be shocked if that's never happened. Like, that'd be so funny if it was just someone like, no, come on, Clark, I gotta save you. And he's like the whole time. It's like Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he feels so bad because he's also, like, really heavy because he's so muscular. Because he's so dense. And yeah. And he can't help him. Yeah. But meanwhile, he is also flying. But just enough. Yeah, he's like just floating. <laughs> so that Jimmy doesn't know. That would be a great bit. Okay, so we did it. That That's our silver lining is that we wrote a great <laughs> Superman bit. We wrote a great Superman bit. So DC Comics, we know you're listening. <laughs> you need that someone who can write a good Superman. That one's on us. Yeah. Uh, that new, whatever the newest, uh, Superman and Lois, is that the newest show? I think so, yeah. They should do that on that show. By the way, Lois and Clark, solid pun. It did star, uh, real-life supervillain Dean Cain, but... Yes, it did star real-life supervillain <laughs> Dean Cain. <laughs> but really solid, uh, like, wordplay there. Yes. 
Um, as they, you know, they tried to find the Northwest Passage to good newspaper writing. That was what was weird is how much of it was about the Northwest Passage specifically. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to drive they, just in case anybody didn't know. Yeah. And then I love when they turned their maps in and then uh, Perry White was like, are these maps real? And, and Terry Hatcher was like, they're real and they're spectacular. And they're spectacular. <laughs> Yeah, um, I thought it was weird that they changed Lois's last name from Lane to Merriweather, but. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. Okay, do we do we want to pivot? Let's I mean, yeah, it's yeah, let's pivot. I mean, we already said the guy's name is Mark Webb. I feel the like guy, that's Mark not, Webb is that's that's a that's, that's number a one. Gem. That yeah, that's a gem. Just, I mean, you, you just feel like his whole life was leading to this moment. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I mean, like. If Sam Raimi's Spider-Man doesn't exist, this is a really good movie. (laughs) I don't know that it's a really good movie, but I will say in a world where we never got if if this was the first Spider-Man movie that you ever saw, it would be fine. I think I, I honestly. okay, so I was a little bored by it. Yeah, but I think some of that is that I've seen it before. And it's not the Sam Raimi one. What's also, um, it just, it kind of isn't fun. I, I know we pivoted, but the other thing that really bugged me about this movie is how much of it takes place at night and is dark and hard to see when Raimi was not afraid. Like when you think about it, it felt like most of the action took place just in daylight. You a know? lot of it did. There was as many daytime action scenes as there were nighttime and even more so in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you have the whole like uh, the train sequence. The train like, scene. You have the yeah. the bank fight. There's a lot of daytime, well lit stuff. But I think that's some of it too. Is like in this, I'd be really hard pressed to say, you know, because you can shorthand, right? So there's the bank scene. There's the the train scene. There's the parade in the first Raimi Spider Man. You know, like you know what those are. How would you describe an action scene in this movie? Like there's the sewer fight. And there's the Oscorp Tower fight at the end. Fight at the end. (laughs) Um, They just feel less distinct. Yeah, I will say one thing that uh, I did like about this movie that I thought was like sort of a fun fixing a general Spider-Man plot hole, for lack of a better word. It's like Spider-Man always has the perfect things to web swing, web sling from. Right. Yeah. Um, And it's like, what is he latching on to? Like, that's not how pendulums work. Uh, but when they had all the construction guys line up the crane, so it was like very clear what he was slinging along. I thought that was kind of a neat thing. That is cool. Yeah, no, that's a nice. Um, I uh, did like, th- and and it paid off because he saved the one crane operator's son, and like I, I thought that was a neat thing. Um, I like that it was like it explained exactly because most of the time, especially in animated or tell like live action versions of Spider Man, um. Like, even the trajectory of where the web is shooting doesn't look like it's going to attach to anything. But yeah. He just still whips all the way through everything. And that's even in New York. Like, you put Spider-Man <laughs> somewhere rural. Like, which actually, yeah. I think they do They do that in Homecoming. They kind of play with that idea that uh, there's Yeah, nowhere. he goes in those totally, that suburban community that totally exists in New York City. <laughs> I assume that's with, like Long Island or something. With the lake and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't exist at all, but uh, it's still a really cool scene when he's flipping through the suburbs. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a Stan Lee cameo. I'm always happy for those. 
Yeah, that was fun. Like the the fight through the school that Stan Lee can't hear because he has his noise canceling headphones on. Which man is I you we obviously love the MCU and and I'm not even saying that this movie invented it, but like that is beat for beat recreated in Doctor Strange. <laughs> Like, yes, like that's that, it's a classic bit of comedy, but like a guy with headphones doesn't see action behind him. But yeah, they, they do it the exact same way in a library in Doctor Strange. Right. Look, the whole MCU is just ripping this movie off. There's also the whole fight at the school. So, I mean, right. That happens. <laughs> There's a big fight at the top of a tower. That's true. Yeah. yeah so. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but no, I Stan Lee cameo made me happy. I love seeing Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, I Emma Stone is really good in this movie. She is really. I I'm a big fan of hers anyway. I think she's a very good actress. Um, yeah, I feel like she's a bit underwritten in this role, but I still really like. I think yes. she's so charismatic that she carries it. I, I think she just does like a good job. Like their banter works really well. Yeah, I think my favorite scene with them, honestly, is when he sneaks into uh, the tour of Oscorp. Yeah, that whole bit when he, like, um, says he's uh, Rodrigo Guevara. Yeah. Uh, and I thought maybe that that was, like, a wink at the fact that he did play, like, a Hispanic character in um, the Facebook movie there, uh, Social Network, where he plays Eduardo Severin. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but maybe, yeah. Um, I'm I'm sure it's not, but uh, it's just the joke that this really white kid has picked up the the most uh, non-white, non-European, non-white European sounding name possible. But yeah, just but yeah, all of the interactions because Gwen knows who he is, um, right? And so all of their interactions, and then when she finally does like kick him out, like I don't know, I really enjoyed all of that. But she's she's very charming. Like I said, I I wish that there was a little bit more. Because they also, they just do a thing where, like, she discovers that he's Spider-Man, and it's pretty blasé. <laughs> like, she doesn't have a big reaction to it. Right. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that is definitely underplayed. Um, I thought the dinner scene was really good, when he's, like, trying to impress the parents, and, of course, Spider-Man comes up, and they get into an argument. Like, I thought that, I thought that, was, that scene felt very real and true. It's always an interesting thing, by the way, to, because... I, I like to see which way heroes go uh, in those moments are of like, will they defend the their alter ego or will they take the other side to sort of like protect to sort of like, yeah, say, yeah. I don't think he's good at all. But yeah, but like, I did like that, that he he tried to defend. I will say Dennis Leary in general, like, yeah, he's, he's really good. He's really good. I mean, obviously. All like however many seasons of Rescue Me, like it is very in Dennis Leary's wheelhouse to be a civil uh, servant like that <laughs> in New York, <laughs> like just. But no, he's really good. Like that one line about your boyfriend wears many masks aside, like he he like sells frustrated parent really well. But you also see like it is kind of charming, like when he tries to bring Gwen the cocoa. And she's like trying to seem cool, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, last week you wanted a chocolate house." Like they they have some banter, and like right. he just he feels like a dad, but he also feels like a police chief. And even though, again, I think everything in this movie feels a little too rushed. Like I I felt like if 
it felt a little too easy that he just sees that Spider-Man is Peter Parker because Peter takes them. I forget how his mask comes off, but it feels like somehow he's just maskless and the only cop who can see his face somehow, even though there's a spotlight on him, is uh, Captain Stacy, who then like lets him escape. Right. But um, but still, Dennis Leary's great. Uh, and one he, thing I thought was a or go ahead. I was just gonna say too. The last thing I like that he got that cool guy moment. The like where the lizard is talking junk <laughs> to Peter Parker and being like, "Yeah, all your family's dead and you're all alone." And then he does the like, "He's not alone." And it's like, yeah, yeah that's a cool, that's a good cool, cool guy, guy moment. Yeah. Um, this is another IMDb trivia piece, but um. One of Dennis Leary's good friends, Jeff Garland, who, of course, from Curbed and a lot of other great comedy bits, um, is a huge Spider-Man fan, a huge comic book fan. And um, he, I guess, had always told Dennis Leary that he should audition for uh, Captain Stacy because he looks so much like the comic book rendering of him, too. And then he got the part. And I thought that was neat. That is neat. Yeah. Um, that like when Dennis Leary told him that he got the part, he's like, oh, of course you look exactly like him. Like, you should, you should be, you should of course you're Captain Stacy, not that a-hole Jamie Cromwell. He played Captain Stacy in Spider-Man 3. I know. I just, I, you're taking shots at Cromwell. Wow. He knows why. Is it because of Babe? It's because of Babe too. Pig in the city? <laughs> <laughs> No, Babe 2 Judgment Day. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. I, I'll never get tired of the fact that the same person who directed the Babe films made all the Mad Max films. That's just, that's what we call range. <laughs> George Miller's filmography <laughs> is Babe, Babe 2, all the Mad Max movies, and Happy Feet. <laughs> it's, I, may we all strive for a career that eclectic, honestly. Oh, man, just <laughs> bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that his other movie is The Holiday, starring Jack Black and Kate Winslet. Which it's I'm not, amazed but... we didn't do last month. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So. Well, there's always next December. That's true. All right. What do we got? Where are we at? Um, I, I, I think I'm. I, I appreciate the audience for having listened this entire time. Uh, it makes me happy that you did. But I think we said it in the first 30 seconds. That's probably true. I, I did write this down. I don't know. I'm, I'll throw this out as one little small. I liked the last line. Like, I actually liked the it, it was a little clunky getting there. But the whole he promises Captain Stacy he'll stay away from Gwen. And then uh, he shows up late to class and the teacher is like, you know, hey, Parker, you can't keep being late. And he's like, well, no, I promise I won't. And she's like, don't make promises you can't keep. And then he kind of leans into Gwen and is like, those are the best kind. I did like that a lot, too. I that thought was, that was again, a good. He's way too cool as Peter Parker, because Peter way Parker should cool as Peter never Parker. be capable of pulling off that line. Yeah, never in a million years. Um, but, it, but it's a good line. Like, I liked that. I, know, I, I don't know if we waited too long to talk about it, but. Should we talk about Martin Sheen? Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's in the movie. He is in the movie. Again, we were in the Silver Linings portion, so I didn't really talk much about my feelings on Aunt May 
in this film, which I should have brought up. I forgot to mention how I think I think this is worth going back because I think your feelings on Aunt May are identical to Sally Field's feelings on Aunt May. Yeah, I just it's not like it seems like she gave up like like it, that character is they didn't try like at all. They, and- yeah, she's barely written into the movie. And I think the most substantial line that she gets is a you don't like my meatloaf line. Right. Um, and Aunt May or uh, Sally Field, fantastic actress, like oh, an yeah. all time great. Uh, yeah. that, you know, of course, like that goes without saying. Um, I guess in interviews, she was saying that she only did it because she's friends with the producer, Laura Ziskin, <laughs> <laughs> and that she really hated it. And she's like, there, that was not a move. That was not a role. That was. That was a cardboard cutout. Well, and, you, and you can see it like she doesn't really know how to play it because there's nothing to play like the and you think about it like Rosemary Harris, like as we, we talked about, like that, that's the Aunt May. Like she that is the comic book Aunt May. Yeah. 100 percent. And she gets in every film. She gets some like she basically gets the thesis statement as like a speech that she gives to Peter, you know, about like, right. You know, people will come from all around to cheer on a hero and they need them, you know, or like whatever. Like she has all these scenes. Right. Yeah. Aunt May in this movie. She makes bad meatloaf. I think that's the only thing she we makes can... bad meatloaf and is really happy that a bloodied and battered nephew Peters brings her the eggs. Like way late, way late. Those <laughs> eggs have spoiled because America yeah. is weird and treats their eggs so that you can't keep them out. Which that's is really, real. that's really what we've been trying to get to. That's in almost uh, seventy-five episodes of this podcast. Probably a little more than that. At this point, I think it's point. more than that. Yeah, it's a I little bit in, more. I think we're in the eighties at this point. We're close. Yeah. Um So approaching a hundred episodes. We've all been trying to talk about how ridiculous it is that America sees fit to wash the protective waxy layer from eggs so that you have to refrigerate them, whereas the rest of the world, you can leave them out. Yeah, which is, you know, it's the only thing wrong with America. It's it's the worst thing America does <laughs> on a consistent basis. I mean, we if there's one thing we can all agree on as a country, that that is where America's biggest misstep is. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's the egg council is too powerful as in, in the Simpsons tried to expose yeah, big that egg. Ago. You know, yeah. you're just not going to you're not going to pull one over on big egg. All right. Well, you sorry. You mentioned Martin Sheen and then I talked about uh, the Aunt May character instead. So um, he plays a real angry Uncle Ben. I don't know. I don't think it's a silver lining. He's just real angry. I, you know, what is the silver lining is that clip from the beginning of like, I like that. He <laughs> is like, hey, hey, Peter's a creep. And I'm his parole officer. I'm I'm ruining this for him for no reason. It's just that, funny to me. Yeah, I think that did a better job because that was sort of like in the comics how Peter learned his quippiness and all that from Uncle from his Uncle Ben. Yeah, but no, you're right. That was like Uncle Ben. Uh, Martin Sheen's Uncle Ben did have a better sense of humor than Cliff Robertson's. Yeah, but he he is very angry. You're right. Like there, there's a lot of shout. Like that's kind of the thing that's built in you. It's in the Raimi one is that like there is their last interaction is a fight, which right. like makes it all the worse that Uncle Ben dies and he feel, feels guilty. But like, yeah, they have several fights and they're ugly fights and they're like, you're not my real dad kind of fights, you know, right. like they're yeah, it's weird and and ugly and. Yeah, I, I didn't really get what, again, both 
both of the parental figures i didn't really understand yeah uh so we did it a little bit out of order um so pretend that we did that in the right part of the podcast but i felt it bared talking about yeah no that's, that's a big i mean i think it's notable that we didn't bring up either one of them in any context before that we almost forgot but yeah all right but now we gotta we have to bring this home with like positivity like now we need like yeah we need a new silver lining i think um i like reese fans i think he was a good kurt connors and a good lizard yeah, and you know what? I'll say this too: that the the visual effects in this are very good. I thought the lizard mm. looked good. I thought the way the hand grew, yeah, and they kind of looked like molting and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, um, good good effects work. The lizard lizard looked good. I I remember like watching like when they did the longer trailers. I was a little iffy about the fact that he was more of like a humanoid lizard than just a lizard head on a human body, the way the comic is. Yeah, you want more of like a snout, I guess, you know. Um, but I think it worked. Like I was okay with it. F like in the actual movie, I was more okay with it. I was expecting it to look more comic accurate to the lizard, but like I feel like if such a thing were to happen in the real world, it would probably end up being closer to what this lizard looked like. It was only one way more to I mean, I've been trying. Yeah. So I think once your research advances a little bit more, we'll have a definitive answer. So stay tuned. Um, just, I think, months away from a real breakthrough to figure out if uh, you inject someone with lizard DNA to try to regrow a limb. Uh, what type of humanoid lizard monster will they turn into? Will they have a snout or not? Yeah, the unfortunate part is those lizard eggs that you keep using in your experiment keep going bad because you have to refrigerate them. Right, because, you know, the... Big egg again coming through and, you know, treating those lizard eggs so that I can't leave them out. I have to. Do you know how expensive it is to refrigerate lizard eggs? Oh, I do. I don't know if the listeners do, but uh, but I very. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Because we we have a shared refrigerator that we use. <laughs> yeah. It's it's in the exact midpoint in um, Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. And I want to apologize again for that lizard egg omelet that I made. You wrote Andy's eggs on it and I didn't look. And that's on me. I thought you would have realized when the eggs were so small that that they weren't eaten eggs. But and I like it, you like eggs. I like eggs and I like feeling like a giant. So, yeah, yeah that must never happen to you. You <laughs> must never feel really a lot taller than everyone. No, but it was good for that one time. Um, And I mean, some of it's on me because, you know, just in the interest of reduce, reuse, recycle, I was putting the lizard eggs in old uh, chicken egg cartons. So I was putting like three eggs in a in a cup. Yeah. Yeah. And like I I thought that was weird at the time that they they didn't fit, but I was like, maybe it was a really small chicken. And you know, I mean, lizards and birds are all dinosaurs, so it, it checks out. But look, man, when you finally crack the code and you make a human lizard hybrid, just just be careful, because as Uncle Ben famously said in the, the Spider-Man comics, if you could do good things for other people, you have a moral obligation to do those things. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. 
Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato. Salad. Marmalade. Aid. 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 Potato Aid. Salad Marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out.